At a rally yesterday in Nevada, President Biden criticized former President Trump's economic record and called him, quote, Donald Herbert Hoover Trump, a comment that has Trump supporters frantically Googling Herbert Hoover. Damn Biden supporters, come on. Who we kidding? I don't know what that means either. Yeah, but first, Biden supporters had to loot the Apple store to steal some iPads and threaten people before carjacking a ride home. You know, Democrats. Seriously, I woke up this morning, and it was all about the crime. It was all about the crime everywhere you look. In Washington, D.C., Washington may be evacuated soon because of the level of crime being experienced here. It's run by Democrats, you know. As is New York, as is Chicago. Shall I go on? The mayors. Well, we have an African-American woman mayor. Uh, Is she LGBTQIA+. I think, uh, you know, nobody talks about it because nobody cares. She's very boring, but... Uh, Muriel Bowser, I think she's LGBTQ, and she's African-American, and she's um, WOC, you know, woman of color. Uh, The Democrats like to reduce everything to an abbreviation of some kind. She's a woman of color. And uh, the the mayor of New York is a POC. No, POC, POC. And uh, that's a person of color. And in Chicago, a person of color, too. And just in case there's any doubt about it, all you have to do is listen to them because... They're, uh, what is it now, uh, uh, Chocolate City, I think, New York City. The mayor of New York is saying, look, at have you ever seen this much chocolate running a city? And I'm not sure it's anything to brag about at this point since people are fleeing the place like it's on fire. But uh, setting that aside for the moment, in uh, Chicago, the mayor there, let's go, Brandon Johnson. He's a former educator. That's he calls himself an educator. Uh, he must not have been very good at that either. And uh, he uh, yesterday was asked, hey, you're going to go visit the border? And he said he's much too busy because he has a black wife. And is it three black kids or two black kids? But his kid, he's got a black wife. He's black and he's got a black wife, which is um, immaterial. And then he's got kids who uh, turned out uh, black as, as well. And he couldn't possibly visit the border because his family is black. That's what he explained. It's pretty remarkable stuff. What do you hear this? Uh, Joe Biden. Joe Biden is the president of the United States, and he is not a bright man. He is not not an intelligent man at all. Biden confuses French president with guy who's been dead for 30 years in rambling antidote, and uh, that that is an anecdote. And the uh, it is uh, uh, another Joe Biden moment that I've got for you here. Uh, Michael, did we hear from Kamala yesterday? Just you know, not to outdo Joe Biden, but if Kamala spoke yesterday. Yeah, but uh, he's talking to Mitterrand, said uh, Joe Biden, and he thinks the G7 is NATO, uh, and his brain, she's a broke, she's a no good at all. Amazing stuff. Yeah, confuses French president with guy who's been dead since 1996 in rambling, incoherent Joe Biden moment. And Joe Biden is skipping the Super Bowl interview. You know, the president of the United States, he didn't do it last year either. He was real busy with I don't know, Hunter Biden, the smartest man he knows, or something like that. But Biden is skipping the Super Bowl interview. His advisors tell the news media, like NBC News, it's all part of his plan. He's got a master plan. You know, the plan by white people uh, to control the weather, things like that. So we've got that. And and, uh, President Trump said, hey, 
you know, I'm available. I'll do the pre-Super Bowl interview. Uh, ratings gold, he says. Not for himself, but for the network he's talking about. We got that going. And uh, the news media couldn't be a bigger gang of fluffers. Fluffers, professional fluffers. Here's the headline at Politico, left-wing blog site. Is Anthony Blinken, that's our Secretary of State, too nice to be Secretary of State? Well, maybe he is, maybe he's not, but he's a completely feckless, inept Secretary of State. As our chief diplomat, he's the biggest uh, mistake since Hillary Clinton. How many countries did we bomb while Hillary Clinton was our chief diplomat? It's, uh, it's hard to keep track. They love bombing countries, the Democrats do. And Joe Biden, how many countries did Joe Biden bomb yesterday? Bomb, 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 bomb Iran. Remember, uh, I was uh, John McCain uh, saying that, and the media uh, raked him over the coals for several years. Now, uh, Joe Biden's bombing every country uh, that has uh, friends in Iran, but uh, but we'll get back to that because you know how they are. Mm-mm-mm-mm. And Joe Biden thinks that um, President Trump, I don't know, what is he, uh, he doesn't have anything else to do, do Joe Biden says. He said, well, uh, because President Trump wants to debate Joe Biden because he knows that Joe Biden is a fool and an idiot and his brain doesn't engage as a normal brain might engage. And uh, Joe Biden says, well, if I were him, I'd want to debate me too. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I'd, uh, you know, my great-grandmother would uh, beat you in a debate, but never mind that. He's got nothing else to do, says Joe Biden. While he's getting, what was he getting, an ice cream? Because he has the brain of a four-year-old. Yeah, it looked like it does look like a smoothie in the picture. It looks like a smoothie. I like smoothies, you know, but my brain works much better than his. So, you know, he might, it, 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 you know, the good thing about Joe, but he can uh, drink a smoothie real fast. No brain freeze. No brain freeze for him. He's found the, uh, the workaround for that. That is no brain. So he got that going for it. And uh, I, uh, this morning also I saw another story that Russia, in Russia, they are preparing to bar the anti-war candidate. You know, they're at war in Ukraine, and they pretend to have presidential elections there. They're lies because the left runs the place, and their fake elections are fake, and Putin wins every time. It's a stack deck, and he puts his political enemies in gulags in Siberia, literally. And uh, now Russia poised to bar only anti-war candidate from presidential race. This is the kind of thing we used to laugh about, and I mentioned last week that the U.S. condemned Anthony Blinken. The State Department condemned Venezuela sending gang members to the United States, but they're okay with that. U.S. condemns ban on Venezuelan opposition leaders' candidacy puts sanctions relief under review. That That means they did nothing. But in Venezuela, they are barring the opposition candidate from the ballot in Russia, they are barring the opposition candidate from the ballot. I also told you about Senegal in Africa, barring the opposition candidates from the ballot, running for president in all three places. And then the long list of states in the United States trying to ban President Trump from the ballot because they're not Democrats, they're commies. Half of them are too stupid to realize how far left they've gone, but I'll explain it to them as we go forward. And I mentioned the crime and mayhem in uh, Washington, D.C. and all the craziness we've got going here. Um, 
it's uh, it's madness and illegal aliens. Now it's uh, we got a lot of legal aliens too. And when well, really they're just Democrats living in Washington, committing crimes all over the place, and you know beating women to the ground and forcing them to open their phones because they want to try to drain your bank accounts because you know their crimes are getting a little more sophisticated and a little more ambitious and and really there should be SWAT teams on every corner. Um, there was a well, what was the, it was another carjacking, was it? Uh, like a block from where I worked downtown later in the day. Uh, we've, we've got that. There's mayhem and madness. Carjackings, homicides, and robberies are stealing a sense of security across Washington, D.C., CNN is reporting. You think? Uh, the same is true in New York. The same is true in Chicago. But in Chicago, Brandon Johnson can't do anything about it because his wife and kids are black. There's, uh, that's what he explained yesterday. I've got that. Uh, uh, uh. As violent crime soars in Washington, D.C., Trump vows a federal takeover. I think that's an excellent idea. And as a longtime resident of Washington, D.C., I'm in favor of a federal takeover of the city of Washington. At this point, we're this close to having to put troops on the street. Um, I'm holding my right index finger one inch over my right thumb. We're this close to having to put troops on the street. And we're talking about having to put troops at our border, too. There are elected officials saying, you know, maybe we're close to the time when we're going to have to put troops on the border to secure our nation, our border, our sovereignty, which the Democrat Party does not support. They don't support our sovereignty. They don't support our our status as a nation, as a free nation. They're not in favor of that. They're they're not liberals. They're leftists. And, and that's totally different. But uh, the uh, Democrat Party is really, they're, they're, they've uh, secured a lot of power in cities and on a federal level, and they're destroying everything they can destroy because they're not liberals, they're the left, and that's what the left does. So we've got, we've got that going. Also, the New York Post, New York City's booming underground migrant economy exposes the true disaster of Biden's open border. That's a, uh, a good story because this is what the Democrats want for America. Um, more carjackings, more street muggings, more shootings, more crime, and more mayhem. And, and they want to have more of the crimes uh, committed in a foreign language, too. Uh, also, the number of Chinese that have infiltrated across our border continues to grow by leaps and bounds. And, and it's, uh, it's, quite, it's quite extraordinary. We've got uh, updates for you on that. You know, in uh, New York, they now have moped gangs, which you'll find in places like Brazil. If you go Googling moped gangs, and you see some in Europe, too, of immigrants from Africa and North Africa, the moped gangs, terrorizing and brutalizing and robbing people in Western Europe. Uh, You see it in uh, Latin America. Now, the Democrats have imported the uh, global scourge of moped games, gangs to the United States of America. Migrant moped crew, they use the word crew instead of gang sometimes, busted after stealing cell phones right out of New Yorkers' hands. Did you see the moped gang attack this woman in New York? I think it's Brooklyn. And they grabbed her and dragged her and slammed her into a you know metal post of some kind because they were stealing her stuff. And they're laughing and not speaking English. And, uh, you know, this is why Barack Obama told us we should learn to speak English so we can address the people that are robbing us, I think, was Joe, B- Joe Biden and Barack Obama's plan. Pretty amazing stuff. And the underground economy is booming. And, you know, the uh, well, I shared some audio with you uh, on this uh, last week. Oh, is that that John Miller guy on CNN 
uh, who's a former police officer and a police analyst for media. And he's like, oh, yeah, the Venezuelan gangs in New York City, they're online bragging about how they own the city. The Venezuelan gangs are. And they got the Mopad gangs are going around robbing everybody and brutalizing everybody. And the news media kind of shrugs and they say, well, what do we do as good liberals? I think we have to ignore the crime and the mayhem and the and everything that we as Democrats are creating. Pretty amazing stuff. Chicago land criminals expanding enterprises by training migrants for suburban crime sprees. See, the Democrats are making everything better because the suburbs won't be safe either. And uh, when President Trump says, when I come in, there will be mass deportations, then the Democrats start screaming Nazi, when uh, in reality, of course, uh, that's the opposite of the truth. But And this bill on Capitol Hill, I've got a lot on this bill on Capitol Hill. Senator Tim Scott this morning talking about the bill on Capitol Hill, the so-called border bill. It's not a border bill at all. They even lie about the name of the bill. It's a well, $60 billion for Ukraine and about $20 billion for the U.S. border. $60 billion for Ukraine's border. Got to secure Ukraine's border. About $20 billion for our border. And mostly that's to hire people just to wave illegals in. I'm going like this with my hand. Just to wave illegals in across our border. And amazingly, and it's quite peculiar, the Customs and Border Protection Chief and Border Patrol Union uh, have come out and said, well, you know, it's not so great, but we're going to back the border deal anyway. And I got to say, I think that's a really bad idea. I think passing a bad bill is not better than uh, not passing a bill at all and fighting for a good bill. That's the, uh, that's, that's the, the thing, just, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, I got you. And you remember Alexander Vindman? He's a communist. He uh, came from Ukraine, ironically, and he joined the U.S. Army. He should have been court-martialed when he betrayed the commander-in-chief the way that he did and uh, sabotaged the commander-in-chief of the U.S. Armed Forces. That was President Trump. And now he's on Al Gore's Amazing Internet and on X, courtesy of uh, Elon Musk. And I can't use the words that he's using because he's cursing like a mamma jamma. I just say like a mamma jamma kind of euphemism for one of the words that he's using. And, and, and he is calling for Steve Scalise. He's calling Steve Scalise. A mamajama, cleaned up version, traitor, a traitor. Steve Scalise was shot by a traitor, uh, and that traitor was a Bernie Sanders campaign volunteer. Steve Scalise was nearly murdered by that Bernie Sanders campaign volunteer. The news media thought of that as a one-day story. They didn't really uh, bother with covering that story. And Steve Scalise is being called a mamajama traitor by Alexander Vindman, who should be in handcuffs and leg restraints, pushed out of a plane over Ukraine. Uh, we can attach a billion dollars to him or something. We'll, get, we'll give him gold bars from Robert Menendez's house and send him back to Ukraine. Democrat Party couldn't be more corrupt if their goal were to be more corrupt. How many people in Michigan voted twice in the last election? Chuck Schumer has a, uh, a money laundering operation going. King Charles, he's an old friend of mine, King Charles. I met him, hung out with him when he was Prince Charles. I had to explain a few things to him. And uh, our Secretary of State, Antony Blinken again, he loves the coolest dictator in the world. The coolest dictator in the world coming up. We're at 888-630-9625.
Hey, it's Chris Plant, excited to tell you about our July 2024 Listener Sea Cruise. We'll be sailing around the British Isles, visiting Scotland and Ireland. Please join us. Visit ChrisPlantCruise.com. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Uh, our Democrat Party in El Salvador, they had an election on Sunday. I don't think they disqualified any candidates like the left does, the communists do, here, there, and everywhere. But uh, El Salvador's president, Nayib Bukele, I'm going to call him Nayib Bukele because that's how it's spelled. <clears throat> he self-describes as the world's coolest dictator. He's the world's coolest dictator, if you ask him. And he got a nice uh, note of congratulations from our Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, congratulating the world's coolest dictator because Democrats. Right? Now, uh, let me go to the uh, telephones before we get back into all the crazy news the Democrats have gifted me once again today. And uh, let's go to Alan calling from Washington, D.C. Alan, you're on the Chris Plant Show. Chris, thank you for taking my call. I'm uh, one of the minions who knows Jay Silverheels. Leo Gorsi, Hunts Hall, Maria Oskman Saya. I even know two tickets to Pittsburgh and the welcome to Jamaica and have a nice day. You are the call. You you are the call of broadcasting. Anyway, oh, you are. I would like to talk about uh, uh, the coup of uh, Obama, uh, his plan. He had two. He had two. Uh, you know, uh, he was in the office for eight years. He couldn't change America. He then needed a sock puppet, and as he told you, that he needed somebody he can call it in, and he's done that very well. But what he's not told you is about the third plan of the plu- the coup, uh, and this is the most critical aspect. Since he needs a fourth and fifth term, he had to make the uh, presidency a part-time job, which he successfully has done with uh, with uh, Biden. You know, you 40 percent of the time you're at the beach, you have a lid on in two hours, um, and you have uh, essentially you can call. You, know, you only have to work two or three days a week. This way, Michelle can come in. You know, she's never worked a full day in her life there. Now. Um, people say, why would she want her job? And that's because, you know, she doesn't have to change. All she has to do is come in once or twice a week there to get a tongue bath by the, uh, you know, people of the view. Yeah. You are you are good. You came loaded for bear today. I got a Barack Obama soundbite for you on this topic coming up. Ah, yes. Levy's going to break. That was a uh, that was a powerhouse of a call by Alan from Washington D.C. There, I I couldn't. I'm, I wish I was able to write everything down. I got Jay Silverheels and Maria Ospenskaya, and you know Tonto and Maria Ospenskaya is the gypsy woman in uh, the Wolfman with Lon Chaney Jr., who sees the pentagram in his hand and all that stuff. And two tickets to Pittsburgh. That's uh, an old joke. Did I ever tell that joke here? <laughs> I'd have to tell that joke very carefully, I think, if I were to tell that on the radio. But uh, powerhouse of a call by uh, by Alan. in Washington, D.C. Don't have a lot of uh, well-informed, well-humored people like that in Washington, D.C. We need more Allens in Washington, D.C. And fewer carjackers. Fewer carjackers. Yeah, the, uh, 
You know, the the King of England, you're familiar with him. He's uh, King Charles III. He's King Charles III. And uh, we learned that he has uh, cancer of some kind, and he is uh, now, I believe, beginning today, undergoing treatment for his uh, cancer. And I wish him nothing but the best. What a what a uh, long and winding road his life has been, boy howdy. Uh, Could have worked out that, you know, if it were me and I were Prince John and I had the big ears and that funny nose and I were uh, inbred like him because the British royal family and all that, I think I just would have made the Princess Diana thing work out. You know, I think that, I think I could have made that work. I would have worked out. Uh, but he couldn't make that work out for whatever set of reasons. I think it's probably because he's English. It's probably because he's an Englishman and... I think an American would have made that way. Hey, you know, I've got some differences here, but we can probably make this work out. Uh, and and uh, I, I always called him Prince Chuck, and now, now that he's king, I uh, call him King Chuck because he's King Chuck. King Chuck of uh, the New York Times, King Charles, he's King Charles III. There have been two kind of like him uh, that preceded him. King Charles is diagnosed with cancer. Buckingham Palace did not specify the type of cancer, but said Britain's monarch would postpone his public engagements during his treatment. I wasn't aware that he had a lot of public engagements, but nevertheless, King Charles III has been diagnosed with cancer and is suspending his public engagements to undergo treatment. They haven't specified whether that would be radiation or uh, chemotherapy or possible surgery casting a shadow over a busy reign that began less than 18 months ago after the death of his mother, Queen Elizabeth II, who uh, had quite an amazing life, too. Uh, not a messy life uh, like Chuck, but, you know, King Chuck. The announcement made by Buckingham Palace on Monday evening came a week after the 75-year-old sovereign was discharged from a London hospital following a procedure to treat an enlarged prostate, an enlarged prostate. See, these things are available, cancer treatments and these other treatments. Um, why, Michael? Why? Uh, because of the patriarchy, you know, the patriarchy that that uh, lefties attack uh, for some inexplicable reason. We might have to pull the plug on their electricity if this keeps up. The palace did not disclose what form of cancer Charles has, but a palace official said it was not prostate cancer. So then, you know, it becomes a game of process of elimination. Doctors detected the cancer during that procedure, and the king began treatment on Monday. Now, that's kind of interesting. And I, when I, when I heard the story yesterday, I've, uh, you know, I grew up making fun of Prince Chuck, and and uh, I remember my uh, my uh, 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 girlfriend at the time had to stay up all night in California to watch the wedding of Chuck and Die. It was the biggest thing biggest thing in the world going at the time. And, uh, and it was uh, kind of an entertaining television show. The whole, the whole Diana Charles thing was a television series that went on for years and ended uh, not so well, not so well. I think I told the story one time that my best girl and I, we were in Paris, and that's in France. It's a city in France. And we were with a uh, friend uh, who was French. Uh, he, he was uh, a French intelligence officer, actually, and he was, he was killed a couple of years after this, but we were in Paris and we were there, friend, French, and and uh, we were, um, uh, well, we were eating and drinking and being merry and everything, and it was late at night, <coughs> and uh, since we were visitors, he brought us over to the Ritz Hotel, the Ritz Hotel, 
outside. We had been else, elsewhere uh, dining. Brought us over to the Ritz Hotel where the revolving door is, where you remember the driver of the car, uh, do you remember, uh, of the Princess Diana car? you remember him? Who had been drinking there at the Ritz and then crashed the car with Princess Diana and, and killed her? Remember him? Henri Paul. Henri Paul was his name. That's uh, Henri is French for Henry. Henri Paul was there uh, drinking at the Ritz, and then he was waiting for Princess Diana to come down and Dodi Al-Fayed so he could give him a ride. And then the paparazzi started chasing him. And our friend, um, he, he brought us to the revolving door, and he said that is where, you know, he had a thick French accent because he was French. And he, uh, and he said, that is, you know, the, the revolving door was Henri Paul and uh, Princess Diana, and they came out and got in the car. And then he said, and then they left, and he, and he drove us at a very high rate of speed late at night on the same route from the Ritz Hotel to the tunnel where the crash was. And my best girl and I, we go down to the tunnel, and you got to throw your arms up there ah, and scream as we went, in, ah, and this is where, where the uh, crash happened, right? So he brought us on the kind of Princess Diana's final moments tour. In the uh, in the thing, you know, and it was uh, it was fun because we're out. Uh, you know, I, I, I had a couple of drinks, uh, to be sure, and uh, we're full. And it was late at night, and it was a, it was a fun tour, right? Um, and and I was also reminded that um, that you know, I uh, when I heard this yesterday, of the time that I met then Prince Charles, Prince Charles. I don't know if I ever uh, told you about that. I may have, but. Um, the, um, it was the funeral of Ronald Reagan, the funeral of Ronald Wilson Reagan, president of the United States. And, um, and I was invited by a friend to the funeral of, uh, of Ronald Reagan at the National Cathedral because, you know, I know some people in town. And, and a nice woman, not my best girl, invited me to, uh, to go to the funeral of Ronald Reagan. And I was obviously a big uh, fan, to say the least, of Ronald Reagan. And in fact, you know, today, interestingly, is Ronald Reagan's birthday. Today is the birthday of Ronald Reagan. He was born in uh, Tampico, Illinois in 1911, uh, February 6th of 1911. And uh, so in 2004, when he, when he passed away, when Ronald Reagan passed away at the age of 93 years, after saving Western civilization for at least a generation and saving the world from uh, certain doom and slavery, uh, he... Uh, you know, he retired, and, and uh, what an amazing guy, riding horseback, going to California, all this great stuff. Uh, wonderful his ranch, Rancho Del Cielo, uh, where I've been many times and met President Reagan at his ranch uh, multiple times while he was president and so on. But in any case, uh, it is President Reagan's birthday, and so uh, 1911, so what would that make him? 113 today? He would be 113 years ago that Ronald Reagan was born. Uh, in any event, in... In uh, 2004, I was at the National Cathedral, the Washington National Cathedral, the Cathedral of St. Peter and St. Paul in northwest Washington, D.C., a cathedral that Washington, George Washington himself had called for um, long before to build a great cathedral high on a hill. It was eventually George Washington's wish was eventually carried out, and the Episcopal Cathedral is, uh, is there. It's a beautiful, wonderful building, uh, and... Uh, it's one of the largest cathedrals on the planet Earth, and and uh, it's a wonderful place. Now I went to the uh, the funeral there, and I was with my friend Christy, Christy, and Christy and I were in the. We uh, got there as early as uh, we could because you know we want to get good seats. You know they didn't have assigned seats. 
They did for some people, but not for us. And uh, we got there, and we were in the main nave. Uh, and and as we went in, we started to settle into our place and looking around to see who's there because it's Ronald Reagan's funeral. There might be some interesting people there. And uh, looking up the center aisle, not too many uh, pews back from the from the front pew where you're going to have presidents and, you know, U.S. presidents and stuff. And there's then Prince Chuck, Prince Charles, right? And and I saw Prince Chuck, and I said to, I said to Christy, hey, there's Prince Chuck. And he's kind of standing there by himself with a minion standing next to him, a, you know, because he's the crown prince or something, and, and he's, he's got a minion with him. But otherwise, there's nobody within 15 feet of him. And the pews are empty around him. Uh, and those are the good seats, you know, because... He's the future king of England and everything. And I saw Chuck and I said to Christy, let's go say hi to Chuck. And she said, I don't think I'm going to go over and say hi to Chuck. And I got come on. She said, no, 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 I think so. I said, okay, I'm going to go say hi to Chuck. And and I hightail it out of our place. We were seated behind Chuck, a uh, number of rows. And I uh, just kind of made a beeline for Chuck. And I walked up uh, at, a, at a casual clip, but i uh, making a beeline for him. And as I approach him, I'm thinking, uh-oh, what do I call him? I don't know what to call him. He's a, hey, English guy, you know, what do you, what do you say? Hey, ears, you know, what's the, uh, what's the thing? And I, uh, I, just as I got to him, I was about one step away, I remembered, oh, yeah, you call him Royal Highness because he's next in line for the throne. And, just, and as I step up and I extend my hand to shake his hand, which in Great Britain you don't do because, you know, the royals and all that, but we're Americans and we beat him in two wars so I can stick my hand out and uh, shake his hand. And just as I got to him, I, uh, I extend my hand and I say, uh, Royal Highness, and, and he says, uh, something like that is worse than Mitch McConnell. And, uh, and uh, I said, well, um, uh, uh, thank you for being here for President Reagan's uh, uh, funeral. And he said, oh, he said, I wouldn't have missed it. One of the most important figures of the 20th century. One of the most uh, figures, he said. I think he meant to say figures. But one of the most important figures of the 20th century, he said. And I said, yes, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, very important. And, uh, and I said, well, uh, thank you. It's like I'm the greeting committee or something. I'm like, you know, who am I? I just went over to say hi to Chuck. And, uh, and I said, and I know he's an architecture fan, right? And I said, have you been to uh, our cathedral before? It's an Episcopal cathedral. His mother is the head of the Church of England. And uh, the Episcopal cathedral in Washington is kind of under that umbrella. And his, you know, one of his buddies is the Archbishop of Canterbury, um, probably done a lot of stuff for him. And, uh, and I said, uh, have you been to our cathedral before? And he says, no, no, I haven't. It's my first time here at, at the cathedral. And I said, well, it's new, but we like it. It's new, but we like it. And I he got kind of a little, you know, rabbit chuckle out of him, a very little chuckle. And because, you know, they're like, uh, you know, Canterbury Cathedral, they have very old uh, hundreds and, you know, maybe a thousand years old. They have these cathedrals in England because they're old and we're new. We're better, but, uh, you know, they're old. And I said, well, it's new, but we like it. And, and, uh, and I pointed, uh, because just over to our right, I said, Woodrow Wilson uh, is entombed uh, just to our right over here. And he looked at his minion like his minion should have told him about that. And I said, in fact, and I pointed up, I'm pointing now, I'm raising my hand like I'm giving a tour, and I pointed up to the, the, the um, it's called the Canterbury Pulpit. That's what we call it in the National Cathedral. Now, I'm Catholic, but it's a beautiful cathedral. And I pointed to the pulpit, large stone pulpit, uh, and I said, 
And that's the Canterbury uh, pulpit. And he looked at his minion again, and his minion was wringing his hands and was like, I'm sorry, sire, I'm sorry, uh, like he was supposed to have filled him in on this. And I said, the stone uh, used to create the Canterbury pulpit was a gift from someone that you know, the, the Archbishop of Canterbury, and the stone comes from Canterbury Cathedral. Oh, oh. oh and he didn't know that. And I said, and uh, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King uh, actually delivered his last sermon from the Canterbury pulpit before he was assassinated by a Democrat Party campaign volunteer. I left. I didn't say that last part, but I, uh, and because you know, but he was. He was a Democrat presidential campaign volunteer that shot Martin Luther King in Memphis. It was a Democrat campaign volunteer that shot Congressman Steve Scalise, too. Just a coincidence, but that's a separate story. And I said, and also I said, uh, the cathedra, which is the sort of uh, stone throne-like chair uh, reserved on the high altar for the for the bishop, right? It's the bishop! And, and I said, and the cathedra on the high altar is also a gift from a... Uh, from a, a, a church in uh, in England as well. Again, he looks at his minion, and his minion was shrinking through the stone floor, trying to wringing his hands furiously, and his eyebrows were twitching all over the place. And uh, Chuck um, and Chuck said, "Ooh," and looked at his and so and um, and he said uh, something like, "And there are more people coming in, and we're just standing there talking." And the uh, 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 he again looking at his minion with an, a very harsh uh, tone. I would say. And, uh, and he said, well, thank you. Thank you for the t- information. Now, I glanced over to my right. I saw that Miguel Gorbachev, Gorbachev had just come in uh, a pew or two behind him. And, uh, and I took my right fist, I raised my right fist, turned it sideways, and I knocked him on his left shoulder and said, glad I could help. Glad I could help. And then I turned, and I didn't say I'm going to go talk to Miguel Gorbachev now, but but uh, that's what I did. And I said, glad I could help, and uh, gave him a knock on the shoulder. And it might have been one more quick handshake. And then turned and uh, walked to a pew behind him, because Gorbachev was there with his minion, with his translator. And I went over to Mikhail, uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, and, uh, and I walked up to him, and I called him Mr. General Secretary. I said, hey, Mr. General Secretary, thanks for being here. That's his Communist Party title. You're supposed to call him President but I called him Mr. General Secretary because I wanted to identify him as a communist with a map of Albania on his head. And I went over and I talked to him for a couple minutes. Then I was done with him when I saw that Lech Valenza had just come in behind him, and I went over to talk to Lech Valenza. So uh, those are some thoughts I had yesterday when I heard that King Chuck uh, is going in for some medical treatments, and hopefully the patriarchy will save him. That's right. Red Solo Cup. Everybody knows Red Solo Cup. Toby Keith. I fill you up. Let's have a party. Toby Keith. Toby Keith. Country music star. Passed away. He died. 62 years old. Last night, and uh, you know, I got to tell you, I've got uh, a family thread. A bunch of uh, it's uh, largely women uh, appear to uh, be fond of Toby Keith, and 
and uh, his deep voice and uh, various other things about him. But they a lot of uh, a lot of response to Toby Keith uh, among his. And that song is one of the most fun songs ever. Red Solo Cup and uh, died of stomach cancer, age 62. Very sad, very sad, and uh, a lot of reaction. I got text this morning from an Army colonel friend of mine, too, who uh, talked about seeing him in 2007 in Iraq during the surge when Toby Keith came in, as he did many times, to perform for the troops in Iraq and Afghanistan, I believe. Um, you know, one of the good guys. Let's go to uh, let's go to the phones. Let's go to Mark calling from Landover Hills, Maryland. Mark, you're on the Chris Plant Show. Good morning, Chris. How you doing, buddy? Very well, very well. What do you know? Hey, what do I know, Chris? I think you were bringing up an important part earlier. I was telling Jasmine that you've been talking about this over the last few months, and nobody has brought it up but these moped wranglers as you we're alluding to, man, they are a bunch of punks. And if you notice, the people they attack, they only do that because they know that they can overpower them. Well, what's going to happen? And this is what the lefties do. If, and people don't even bring this up is they've taken the right to defend yourself away from all of this because all they're concerned with is prosecuting anybody that gets in an altercation. You're not allowed to stand for something. And the ambiguity that they put on society is why society and the lack of accomplishing anything is the way it is, Chris, I believe. Well, uh, Mark, uh, you know, you're absolutely right about the left uh, doing everything they can to take away your right to self-defense. I, uh, we've got the uh, young Marine in New York that uh, restrained the crazy, psychotic street person on the train car, and he sadly was killed, and they're going to, uh, they're going to prosecute him. They love crime, and they love criminals. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.